Yes, yes. Welcome to another episode of Views from the Box. Nana, how you doing? Feeling good, man. Three points. We march on. Couldn't feel any better. Bro, like, it wasn't just three points. It was an emphatic performance. This was arguably your best performance since the game week 19. Hey, since United. Almost dominant performance, yeah. Definitely. First half, you could have had five, six, seven. What changed? Because people kept using the excuse that when Europa League started, that could derail Arsenal. And this was your first game after the Europa League and you put in your best performance. What what changed? So in terms of, if, if, I, get, if, if I get to Europa League point, in terms of what changed, I just feel the players are now realising they're in the business end of the season and they've managed to get out that, that little dip out of the system. And luckily, it's co- coincided with the return of Jesus. And only Enketia is the only senior player out at the moment. He will be back after the break. So when Jesus got injured, we were five points clear. And when he's come back, we are five points clear again. So not, nothing's changed in that regard. Could have been more. But due to that three-game blip, things became a bit more sticky than it should have been. But most important thing is we recovered and responded with back-to-back wins. And I think the players are now understanding that this end of the season year is about game management. Get race into a one no race into a two no lead and just control the game from there. Because today, going into the game year, I wanted to I'll with a professional two no win, score two goals in the first half year and make it as boring as possible for the neutral. And we did one better, got three goals and made it as boring as possible. But on the other hand, we could also have grabbed five or six in the first half if we were a bit more clinical, but can't really complain. In terms of the Europa League point. People need to understand that Arsenal have had a luxury of rotating midweek throughout the season because of Europa League and how weak the competition is during the group stages. So if now a couple of first-team players are going to have to play every three days because the opposition gets harder each round here, I think it's a problem because look at Liverpool, Man City, even Real Madrid, the best teams here, a core majority of the first team as they play every two to three days, especially when Europe comes around. And even now this season, we, we can't we have we can't luxury of even resting players next Thursday and still go through. So I'm not really worried about this. Oh, when the Europa League returns, or what what, what Arsenal going to do? Like a well, big club like Arsenal being out of Champions League has clouded people's minds of how things work back in the day. Fam, we're comfortably playing every two three games here and still playing shit back back then when we were Champions League. Fam, so like we're, we're a better team now and we can now actually handle competition. So I don't think it'll be a problem. The only, only thing that can stop us here is a drop in form. So fatigue won't be a problem. My honest opinion. I feel like even another point that you failed to mention is your squad is at its strongest at this current point in time. You strengthened it in January with Trossard and Jorginho. Jesus is now back from injury. Like you said, the only player that's out at the moment is Eddie Nketiah. And even at the moment, he's arguably your third choice uh, striker at the minute. So your squad is actually quite strong at the minute. So even with Europa, your the quote-unquote second team or B team is still good enough to do put in good performances until you face a stronger team. So I feel like the squad management that Arsenal have done is good enough to withstand like the withstand the pressure of Europa and the Premier League. And I want to build on that point because I saw a tweet just before we came online. Arsenal have done what Liverpool failed to do in the two times we finished second, and that's actually strengthened the position that you need to strengthen in January. And we're seeing. The result of it, Jesus went out and people were saying, oh, Arsenal are going to struggle without Jesus, which I thought was a valid valid um, point. But 
Eddie Nketiah, he held his own. And you're seeing what Leandro Trothard is doing. We thought he was a baller at Brighton, but my word, is he good. And you saw Jorginho deputising for Partey when he went out injured. Last season, Partey went out injured. All the wheels came off. This season, he came mm. out injured. The wheels didn't come off. Yeah. Um, we've plugged all the gaps. And right now, it's just about getting better and better. So that's why it really pisses me off when teams say, oh, this is Arsenal's best chance to win the league. All our teams are getting better. A lot of people are going to be doing Pikachu face here when they realise Arsenal are still better than, than their club, fam. All the competition to Arsenal in this moment in time is Man City, fam. Other teams need to earn their, their respect again, in my honest opinion. Other teams need to earn their respect again. All these are Club X or Club Y are going to come back and do it and sign their players and get better. But people have failed to realise here, the core of this team here, the average age is 24, nowhere near their prime, and they're slapping City's head like this. You got Man City fans here, but I'm listening about Daisy when Liverpool were perennial black, black bridesmaids, fam. What's it been funny? Liverpool fans were lapping up, fam. Like, the disrespect Man City fans talking about, oh, we prefer when Liverpool were chasing us, fam. That, that's a big, that's big disrespect, fam. Don't Liverpool worry, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll, get back, we'll get him back in blood. We'll get him back in blood. Don't, don't, fam, don't worry fam, about Man that. Man City were disrespecting you, man, in the TR, fam. Talking about, oh, PO was better when Liverpool were chasing us. I'm thinking, eh? Fam, City fans are even, are even hot. The head is hot because Arsenal are five points. Clear. City are the ones chasing, fam. And as you said before, chasing someone here in the final stretch here is hard work, fam. It's mentally draining. And City have not been there before. And the fans don't like it. So it's very good that Arsenal are five points clear. And you just got to keep on going, fam, like game by game. And we've got one more clean sheet today. But as I said, in the running year, the most important thing is make games as boring as possible. No blockbusters. Keep it boring. Get your tuna wins and clean sheets, fam. Clean sheets will win Arsenal the title in the, in the end, fam. And yeah, that can stop us. You have to stop. Job. You have to stop it, making it games exciting. For, you have to stop making games exciting for the neutral. You have to stop yeah. doing that, and that's what you did today. That's what I was concerned yeah. with with Arsenal. I felt like there were too many games. Where I'm just like, well, this is actually an exciting game to watch. But I know how that feels as a team chasing the title. I remember when the time we were chasing the title, I didn't want games to be exciting. I wanted them to be so boring that people switch off at halftime, which is what I did with the Arsenal game. Switched over to the United game at halftime because I knew, yeah, this team has won. And I feel like you have a lot of... your Between now and your City game, you have games where you can do that in every single game. Palace at home, you can do that. Leeds at yeah. home, you can do that. Liverpool away is your toughest game. West Ham away. Um, the only thing I think that could stop Arsenal is the fact that they're chasing relegation. But the fact that the pitch is big is actually going to suit Arsenal. Yeah. And Southampton at home. So I feel like in Palace, Leeds, West Ham and Southampton, in those games, you can actually be 2 3 not up at halftime and make the game as boring as possible in the second also, half if also, you turn up. On, on the Liverpool game here, also have the tools in the midfield here to do damage at Anfield. The main problem at Anfield is, are we going to be defensively switched on? Yeah. And how will the players manage the game? Game management and defence. Those are the two things you need to have locked down here when going to Anfield. Because even Pep hasn't won at Anfield here with the fans. So for Arsenal going to that Anfield game, we need to be ice cold, no emotion. You go there, get your goals, because we will get chances. So we have to be clinical. Make sure and that also, we get the five, yeah. ten minute period where Liverpool are on smoke. I don't know what Arteta called. I think it was Paracas or something. That period, you have to make sure that Liverpool don't score two, three. Because despite how poor we are, we still have the two yeah. to score two, three in a short space of time. So you have to make sure that doesn't happen as yeah. well when you come to Anfield. But I even feel like Palace, Leeds, West Ham and Southampton, if you win those four games, you can afford not to win at Anfield. Because yes, 
you don't want to drop points. But just before City play you, they're playing Brighton away. And Brighton away is not an easy game. I'll say in terms of going to an away ground, mm. Brighton away is probably one of the hardest grounds to go to outside of Anfield and Etihad at, the, at this present point in time. And Old Trafford, you could say also, that. Also, so it's not going to be easy. Also, also, Man City play Liverpool and Brighton before they play Arsenal, right? So Exactly. How you guys do at Etihad here will determine if we have to win at Anfield or not. If you guys go and have the game of your lives at Etihad here and make City drop points and we take advantage the 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 following game, fair enough. Anfield isn't that much of a must win. But if you guys go there and get your asses handed to you, we're gonna have to go do it Anfield ourselves and win. <laughs> so I'll be honest, yeah, don't yeah. don't 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 look at us for favors as we'll speak about know, when know, we speak about Liverpool. Our way record is cheap. You guys are getting smacked at an Etihad fam. Our way record is cheap. Arsenal's only only team that can help us create a gap is Brighton, who are at home to see I think the week but, before. Yeah, the week before. So it would determine if we have to win at Anfield or not. But I still deep down believe we have to win at Etihad if we want to win the title. Of course. I feel like you, in situations like this, don't rely on other teams to do you a favour. If Because if, let's say, you don't win at Anfield, but you win at Etihad, it's still in your hands. So do things yeah. as much as possible that will make also, it in your hands. That game at Etihad is game week 33. So if we leave that game with maximum points, it's just five games stretch left of just maintaining results and we're home and dry. So you don't, you don't, bro, you don't need to maintain results for five games. You'll need to maintain it for three games because if you beat Man City, you'll be eight points clear. So you, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the, the earliest you'll win it is game week 36 because they can't get eight points. Which is Brighton at home. Actually, I might the calculations off camera. Yeah, the earliest we could win a towel. It's Brighton at home if yeah. you beat is yeah. if you beat if you beat Man City. Yeah. So yeah. look, just do things, just keep on winning, keep on doing what you're doing. Games like you had against Aston Villa in the first half, games like you had against Bournemouth uh, up until 2 0. Cut that out between now and the end of the season. And it's looking like the title yeah. is Nathan, yours. Nathan is here. Win all our many home games and just get as much clean sheets as possible. Clean sheets will win us the title, in my honest opinion, because our attack is now firing again. Create, yeah, create chances for fun. And Jesus is back. Yeah, Jesus is back as well. Misses customary big chunks. <laughs> normal, yeah, normal. Yeah, normal, fam, normal. Jesus, Jesus heritage. Honestly, moving forward, yeah, he's very lucky that Saka and, and Martini have proven that they can also contribute double figures in goals. So, moving forward, Jesus, yeah, I won't require him to get 20 league goals, but 15 to 18, yeah, he, he needs to be contributing, fam. Because Firmino, at his height, was, was guaranteed 15 league goals, fam. It, it's okay, even though injuries did take him, but it's looking like I was right with the 15 to 18. However, you're right with Firmino at his height was contributing, but I also feel I tweeted it on off our Twitter. You guys are slowly following the city blueprints before Erling Haaland came, where you have multiple players getting double digit goals. And I feel like, unless you have a it's the best way to go if you don't have a bagsman. And in this day and age, there's hardly any bagsman in world football. So I feel like you're doing the most sustainable model of actually winning the league. And credit to Arteta for taking that from Pep Guardiola. Because a lot of teams, a lot of pundits even think, oh, this team needs to get a number nine. This team needs to get a number nine. Even with Chelsea, when we're speaking about them, I don't think they need to get a number nine. They need to get at least four, two to three players who can get double-digit goals. And that's what Arsenal have. You have Martinelli, you have Saka, and you have Martin Odegaard, who is having the season of his life yeah, fulfilling the potential that he had 10 years ago it was, it was crazy yeah. 10 years ago yeah, when Odegaard was just big talent I did not think we ended up at Arsenal fam no funny, funny no one did 
it did. You didn't think he'll end up at Arsenal. You didn't think that he'll potentially be your first title-winning captain since Patrick Vieira. That that's mm-hmm. legend. That's legendary. Like when you say right. that out loud, that is legendary stuff. But up onto the other team in the title race, City, one 0 against Crystal Palace. It was it was a slog. Um, I don't think it was. The performance was something that we've seen of City a lot this season. But the one thing I'll have to give credit to City is. Every time we speak about City, we never talk about our oh, City are amazing. City smash team. City can go on a run. But they're still five points behind Arsenal and they're still in the title race. And I feel like that's still credit to Pep Guardiola and the yeah. players. The fact that you're not playing well or you're not playing at your best in the season, but you're still there about. And that's what makes legendary teams, legendary players, legendary coaches. Yeah, they're not even playing badly. It's just that we've been accustomed to them blowing teams away, even in the home yeah. stretch. This feels like a bit underwhelming in their performances, but yesterday against Palace, yeah, would you be surprised if they had won 3 4 0? No, no just, to be it's fair. Just, it's just circumstance that Palace held out pretty well and, and only took a moment of stupidity from Elise that City. What a silly, goal. silly talent, man. But on the balance of play, City deserve to win. Because no, they, no, they were definitely the better yeah. team. Yeah, they were so, definitely um, the better team, 100%. It was just that it was going to be one of those days, yeah, apart, until Elise did that mistake, but. See, are doing what they're meant to do. Keep on winning. Like as you've seen, titles all about consistency. Yeah, either be consistently good, but you don't have to be consistently amazing. And see, are are the former right now, consistently good, and that might be enough come May, but we'll see. But for see right now, they don't have to. They could still go up another level, or they could drop off again. But the pace that they're going may still be enough to win the title because they will probably feel confident that they can finish us off at the Etihad. And they probably believe that Liverpool could do them a favour at Anfield and beat Arsenal. So, if I'm a City fan, based on what I what I would have seen previous, I wouldn't be too worried going to the home stretch. I would still be quietly confident about City's chances. So, City, what, nothing more I can say really. Just going along nicely. And unless they have another drop in form, I highly, I highly doubt they will wave the white flag anytime soon. I don't think City will wear the right flag, white flag, and I agree with you that they've been consistently good. But I feel like City definitely need to raise the level because if we look at the remaining games, forget uh, Liverpool, forget Chelsea, forget the big games on paper. Southampton away, Brighton away, Everton away. For me, Brentford away. Those are four potential banana skins. Those four away games because potential play- banana skins, but those teams will have in, in the same breath will have to be clinical in order to put City to the sword. Well, how many times have we seen teams here yeah, outplay City for 20, 30 minutes here? Yeah, but because they didn't make the most of them being on top, City get their two big chances here yeah, and a two no down and City win the game. But how many it's times just... have you how many times have we also seen this season City are on top of teams? They don't get the second goal. They have a 10 minute spell where they've just dropped in quality. The team equalizes and City end up drawing the game. It happened against Nottingham Forest where they should have been 3-4-0, and it happened against Everton as well. And Look at look at those two games. Two extra points, the one point behind Arsenal. These games, these games actually do matter. And the reason why I say these games, okay, Southampton, I feel like they have enough quality to actually blow them away. Then Carabao, I was basing it off the Carabao Cup, but Brighton, we've already spoken about how difficult of a game that is. Everton are going to be yeah. fighting for their lives, and we saw what they did against you. They can do that against City and Brentford. Oh, they're yeah. one of the most. The one. The one of the most. Yeah, it's a good in pocket away from home. And then Brentford, they're one of the most informed teams in the Premier League. So these these are not easy games. Especially you remember what I said? I said during this period, there's going to be a lot of games where 
crazy stuff happens. And I feel like these three games are three games where crazy stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not as confident in City as I was in previous seasons. In previous seasons, in title races, I'll say City win those games. But now I can tell you that categorically. I'm more confident with Arsenal than I am with City, which is why I'm still leaning towards you winning the league as of now. Yeah, so so City, they have to go to Goodison when they're relegation. And how early do they have to go to Goodison? Is it? It's the... it's it's the third to last game, mate. It's May thirteenth. Mm. May thirteenth. Everything could be safe beforehand, you know. But but do you see how close the relegation battle is? It's there's five points. I know it's close. It's close. But I think everything's current around you. They're, they're, they're facing teams in and around them, so they could easily pull away. And by that game, it'll be pointless. Them. Like, they can easily pull away, but they can easily be dragged back in. Mm. True. Well, I, I have to see. But the one game where I feel like City could drop points is either against us or the Brighton game away. On paper, but but, that, but that's just me. Um, assuming City will maintain a good level so that they don't drop off. But hey, stranger things have happened, man. Stranger things have happened. Like, stranger things have happened. Yeah, they might not drop points on Southampton. How crazy this season is. But I feel like we're in for yet another good title race, and I'm 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 happy because since Conte came to the Premier League with Chelsea, we had two three title races, um, with Liverpool and City. And now one with City and Arsenal. And I feel like during the last 10 years, there was a period where it was just one team going for the title and it was like a semi-title race. But this is a proper title race. I'm, I'm happy about that. But on to the next race, the top four race. Spurs won, Newcastle won, Liverpool lost and United drew. It's looking like United's form before the Liverpool game might have just gotten them top four because now Casemiro has got in a red card. They've lost 7-0 to Liverpool and if they didn't have that run, I'm not saying like, oh, it's it's an excuse. Full credit to Ten Hag and them having that yeah, run. They fully yeah. deserve to be where they are. But if they didn't have that run, they could easily be dragged into the top four but races. I've said, I've said last season when Arsenal were, were in the run for top four, all it takes is a 10-game run here where you win at least eight games here. Yeah, between January and March here, and you've pulled away to the point whereby if you have a, a slight blip, you're too far gone for it to even affect you. And that's what Chelsea did last yeah. season as well. Yeah, and it looks like Man have done, have done the same this season. They made your points in the next couple of games here, but they've brought too much points in the bag. Yeah, that even if Newcastle run here, or just be Newcastle being a couple of points behind them, or even if it's just if it's Spurs that they end up getting fourth, be a few points behind. Um, United and it won't be much of a problem so unless you're not going to lose a streak like let's say lose three four games in a row which I can't see happening yeah, which I can't see happening for United right now it's just about when you're having a bad day just draw like draws they're at that point in the season where draws aren't that detrimental to their hopes of making top four so they're in a comfy position like it, if I was a United fan I'd be, I'd be enjoying myself not much jeopardy at stake apart from the, in the cups but just enjoy it whilst, whilst you're doing it but as for Newcastle, Liverpool, and Spurs, the race is hotting up. One thing I want to discuss is Liverpool's away form. Nah, we need we need to speak about that because it's diabolical. Seen, as we've seen traditionally, if you want to make top four, you need to win at least eight to ten away games, and you supplement that with a solid base of thirteen home wins and you're home and dry. But Liverpool, three away wins all season. Like you're you're on par to have a disgusting away record here, like Wenger's last season when Arsenal won four away games. Like it, it, what's it, what's wrong? With Liverpool's away from this season, man. It's for, firstly it's diabolical, and to your point about good home record, our home record at the moment is the third best in the league, 
in terms of home games, we've played 13, 30 points. The only two teams that are better than us are Arsenal with 32 points and City with 34 points. And we've just spent about 15, 20 minutes talking about them going for the title. So in terms of our home form, it's a title-winning home form, and I'm okay with that. The Leeds game, very annoying, but it is what it is. Every team has that one blip. City, yeah, happens. Shit happens. City had it when they did well. Shit happens. But our away form, this was before... No, this was after the... Um, Bournemouth game. It's the eleventh best waveform in the league. We've only gotten twelve points in thirteen games, which is the equivalent of four wins. I know we've won three games, which is absolutely diabolical. And our goal difference yeah. is minus seven. To have a minus goal difference away from home is nothing short of embarrassing. In terms of what's gone wrong with Liverpool, it's Liverpool. We talked about the tactical na- naivety of Jurgen Klopp and. Jurgen Klopp and just Liverpool in general is talking about how players have been over the hill and I feel like it's very evident away from home. The reason why I say that is every time we lose, we concede first. We ha- we've yet to win a game away from home when we've conceded first. So in terms of us chasing the game, in terms of us breaking teams down, in terms of us creating opportunities to score goals, we're not doing that well away from home. We're not doing that, we're not doing that well full stop. We saw it against Nottingham Forest when they went 1-0 up. Apart from a couple set pieces, nothing really happened. We saw it yesterday. Apart from Salah's penalty and a couple set pieces, nothing happened from open play because we were very easy to play against. You get into low block, you become compact. You just say, yeah, Trent, cross it in. We'll have our defenders just head it away. You have to put in an absolutely peng ball onto Darwin Nunes or Gakpo's head for them to finish it off. And that's a one, one in 10 crosses. So I feel like, in terms of the way the team is set up, in terms of the profile of players, in terms of the way we play, we're not set up well to break down teams when we have gonna go down. We were in the past, but teams have become wiser to stopping that. So I feel like that is a very key reason. And look, you said that three away wins all season. I don't care what excuse you want to come up with. That's disgraceful. Between now and the end of the season, we have six away games. For us to guarantee five wins. For us to guarantee top four like it's in, in our hands we need five wins we, we need five wins and that means we can afford to lose to City which I can't see us beating City and win the remaining five but I feel like those remaining five are going to be tough with the way that we're playing because at the moment we've, we've just shown we can lose to anyone it doesn't matter who the team also, is one thing that I want to mention is that you guys struggle to win duels away from home it's yeah so, also away from home you have to win your duels as we see yeah. also today we saw with City yesterday when you're away, you need to earn the right to play. Yeah. By winning the duels and getting the ball on the ground and playing your game and a certain dominance. But you can't play your game yet if when the opposition has a long ball and you're, and you're failing to win the knockdown, the ball just comes back to you and you're under pressure again and the opposition can now relax because they have the ball now and they can take the tempo. And Liverpool with midfield this season, actually, your season, I see similarities between your season and Wenger's final season. Amazing home record can beat anyone at home on your day, but away from home, relegation standard and It's based on the reasons that you, you, you said. Away from home, you have to earn the right to play. Literally, every every reason that you said, you start yeah. with Arsenal and Wenger's last season, you've seen it with Liverpool. In the first 20 minutes against Bournemouth, we were bopping them about and you could see the players thinking like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be calm. Then Trent does one silly pass across goal and they go one-on-one round Allison. Uh, hits the side netting and from then Bournemouth gained confidence and mm. were the better team so like you said yeah, you have... also different moving forward 
if you guys are to get the two midfield signings that you need and that extra centre-back signing, do you feel that you guys will be automatically tied to contenders again? Because bear in mind, a couple of your players are, are over the hill and uh, Nunes and Gakpo, even Diaz, good enough to spear the title challenge. And secondly, with the type of midfield that Klopp is going for, especially at least who signs like DM and who signs as that new Ronaldo replacement, but also you guys really need a, a, a Van, Van Dijk rotation option so you can give Van Dijk the complete treatment. So do you think tactically Klopp can compete with Arteta and Pep moving forward? Because as we've seen here, yeah, Liverpool have not been able to pip a Pep, a Pep team or a team that plays to Pep's philosophy or to control. And do you think that Pep and Klopp would have to, you know, move towards that direction yet to sustain the challenge or to even beat Pep? Because as, as we've seen, as I, as, as I think I've shown you, to beat Pep, you have to become Pep. And it makes it tasty. So do you think Klopp may have to, you know, divert away from his philosophy and try and emphasise more on controlling games? Or you think the old school Liverpool, high press, high energy, press you to death, you make mistakes and we blow you away. It's sustainable in this new age of, in this new decade of Premier League football. I feel like firstly, to answer your first question, the signings doesn't make us automatic title contenders. For me, it depends on who we stand and how many players we get. I've been seeing reports, but I saw reports before January. So for me at the moment, I'm not going to believe anything until I see these players holding the shirt on the Liverpool Twitter page. At the moment, I feel like for us to become for me to be confident that we're going to be title challengers, we need two central midfielders or, or one central midfielder and a 6-8 hybrid. We need a centre-back and then we need a Trent understudy. That, for me, is what we need to get for me to be confident. The reason, yes, you can say our players are over the hill and I fully agree with you. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to make excuses for these players. But I feel like if we have enough quality players, we can rotate them so that, for example, Fabinho's not playing Wednesday. Wednesday and the weekend or Fabinho is not playing two games in a row or Jordan Henderson or Virgil van Dijk those players who have the quality have dropped so for me we need to find those positions and the right profiles for us for me to be confident for, that we can challenge for the title in terms of can we challenge for this title I feel like before I give my reason this is the reason why I was annoyed when people get onto Pep Linders because everything that you've said in terms of trying to become more like Pep the way that we want to play if you listen to how Pep Linders talk if you even look at the changes from the start of when Klopp was there when Buvak was the assistant coach to when Linders was the assistant coach you can see a clear change and Pep Linders he is more towards the mode of Mikel Arteta and Pep Guardiola. He wants to control the game. Yes, he's yeah. more intense. Yes, he agrees with Klopp's um, ideology of being intense, but he wants to control the game. I feel like in terms of tactically, we need to allow him to bring his ideas to Liverpool because I feel like the way we build up passing between the centre-backs, one of the centre-mids dropping in to create the three at the back, letting the full-backs go forward, doing the diags. In transition, teams are now better equipped to counter that, we need to find a way to be more vertical. We need to get the players yeah. to be more vertical. Especially we need to get the tactics to be more the bus and the past the season. Exactly. And that's in the past, whereby teams are, are now not trying to go toe to toe with your midfield and just sitting back two backs or four, and you haven't got the, the same break. The same break on the down. Uh, and you guys haven't got that in you, and and, and in the past, that's, that's the reason why you missed on the title by a point, or yeah, by a point in both occasions where it went down to the wire. So, do you think that change can happen? In the next 18 months, or will it have to be, or do you have to look at 
2024-2025 for actually see this new Liverpool, the emphasis of control? I think it's possible for us for that to be done within the next 18 months because you can look at the type of players that we've been signing and we've been trying to implement into our team. Look at him getting Carvalho, look at him um, implementing Javier, look at him even getting Stefan Bicetic. Bro, two, three years ago, a player like Bicetic and Elias are not playing in our midfield. But I feel like we need to mix that with intensity. We need to get players who are good on the ball, who are intense. For me, the perfect example and the player that I would absolutely love and my number one midfield priority at the moment, not even Jude Bellingham, is Nicolo Barella because he's intense and on the ball, he's amazing. Players like that is how we can close the gap between Arsenal and City. Because look, don't get it twisted. You said it at the start of this program, teams need to earn respect to say that they're going to challenge for the title. And I fully agree. And Liverpool is one of them because when we were going for the title, people were saying, our oh, Chelsea are going to come back. People were talking about, our oh, United are going to come back. But they needed to earn the respect to actually come back. And we're in that position at the moment. And I feel like if we get midfielders of that profile and we allow Pep Linders to implement his control philosophy, mix them with Jurgen Klopp's intense philosophy and get a perfect blend, I think we can do it. But that's a lot of if, but and maybe. Yeah, uh, uh, but especially... Two guys in your front line can't make it stick, Nunes and Gapo. And if you're trying to exert a controlling type game that, that is from the school of Pep, your forwards need to be able to make it stick. At City, they've got Grealish, they have um, Mahrez, they have even Holland to an extent can make it stick. Yeah, Bowden can at make Ar- it stick as well. Yeah. At, at Arsenal, Jesus, Trostad, um, Saka, Mar- even Martelli himself, where people try to say he's not that technical, he can make it stick. But Nunes and Gapas, we saw even last week against Man United, the ball was bouncing backwards. Like, what was yeah, before what the goal? To be an yeah. thesis of kind of... Um, I do agree. I feel like, yeah, wouldn't those two be an antithesis to that control type thing or those two can't, can't start together? I, I feel like at home, those two are perfect in terms of letting teams away. You saw what we did second half against Manchester United, how yeah. key Cody Gakpo and Nunes were. But I feel like away from home, players like Luis Diaz, I feel like the perfect example, I feel like the perfect example um, of Luis Diaz's influence is the first half against Arsenal, how he and Thiago helped us to get back into the game. And that's the type of thing that we need. I feel like this is where Klopp needs to be tactically flexible. You can't play the same team week in, week out. Maybe away from home against a lesser team. You uh, Maybe at home you want to play Nunes on the left, Gakpo up top, Salah out right. But then when we play away from home, you play Luis Diaz, um, you play Diego Jota, you play Bonsala on the right. You switch it up based on how you want to play. And I feel like in terms of forwards, we have enough forwards at this present point in time to rotate around and we need to be doing that. So... This is where Klopp needs to make his money if he wants to challenge for the title next season. Because I feel like that needs to be the aim, even though it's going to be hard. But if we make that the aim, as you always say, falling back is top four. That needs needs to be the aim next season. Bare minimum next season for Liverpool is be the best of the rest, essentially. Basically, basically earn that right again. That's the bare minimum. Yeah. I fully agree. And try to break 80 points so they can prove to yourself, yeah, well, one course to return where we went to be. Come third of 80 plus points, you're practically there, essentially. Just yeah. a, few t- a few tweaks here and there in terms of results, and you're back in the 90 point range. So, look, a lot, a lot, a lot of work needs to be done tactically and squad personnel wise. But and a lot of work needs to be done between now yeah. and the end of the season because yeah. there's a lot of losable away games between now and the end of the yeah. season. And we need to make sure we don't lose them. 
But about going forward, yeah, if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be worried about Gakpo, Jaka, and Nuno coexisting in the same squad because you have three players here that struggle to make it stick. And if you want to impose a controlling game, only one of them can be on, on the pitch at, at a time, especially in those games whereby teams are just sitting back. Like maybe Nuno's be useful in terms of whipping crosses in because he can be that's, that's an extra attacking dimension, aerial balls. But those three cannot be on the same pitch at the same time, especially if a team is part of their boss, two backs or four, whereby you need guile and control, you need technical ability to you know break down a deep block. So that's one thing to ponder for local fans. How will Jota, Nunes and Gapo exist going forward, especially if you're trying to go towards a more controlling philosophy? Nah, I fully agree. But look, let's see. We Between now and 1st of April, we don't have any Premier League games. And I feel like this is where Klopp should treat these last 11 games like 11 finals. I know it sounds cliche, but that's what needs to happen. Because look, if mm. we want to make top four, I'm sorry the minimum, absolute minimum we should be targeting is nine wins because that will allow for us to have an off day against the top two. And I can allow that. I can accept that. But every other team should be beaten. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry. If we beat we beat Manchester United, even away from home, even though they beat us 2-1, we still created enough chances to make it 2-2. We still have enough. We still had enough enough of the ball against the third best team in the country at the minute. We've beaten Spurs away from home already, who are the fourth best team in the country at the minute. The team that's fifth best, we beat home and away. So in terms of the top teams, we've done well. So please dispatch of the lesser teams because these are still the players that got us those three 90-point seasons, league, Champions League, three finals play like it and then in the summer do the right thing and call the squad and get in good adequate replacements but look let's see I'm I'm kind of happy now that we have a break because we were brought back down to reality it happened early on in the season we beat City at Anfield we lost to Nottingham Forest 1-0 mm-hmm. 12-30 kickoff we beat United 7-0 exact same time as well we lost um what's it called, 1-0 to Bournemouth, 12.30 Saturday kickoff. So, look, we're very consistently inconsistent. Yeah, it's impressive that they, they guys make top four because not yeah. top four could be catastrophic in terms of players you may be able to attract. Agreed. You could, you could, you could you may be able to match wages here, but you all know some players are feeling them. So, look, look at Mason Mount, feeling like he's above Chelsea. If you guys come fifth year, he's going to be trying to finish you guys in terms of wages. Also, no FSG does come in fifth affect your budget. Are FSG prepared to, you know, loan you guys some money to be able to sign your targets like what Cronkies did two summers ago when we didn't have any Europe so you guys for your own sake in the transfer window wise you have to come top four because let's say if Newcastle make top four they're, they're gone they can now start they can now afford they can afford it anyway but they can now attract the better talents in Europe so if you guys don't make top four you, you better prove Spurs do it because Spurs won't do anything with the top four fan. they're going to yeah. top four agreed so, yeah so you better hope that if you guys don't make it Spurs do because Spurs being top four don't mean nothing, fam. As we saw last season, so yeah, man. Like, We've seen this season; they, they got knocked out going zero goals in 180 minutes. What was yeah. the XG that they produced over the two games? Less than one across two games. Yeah, that's that's poor. So now nah, yeah, I know yeah, what you mean. Yes, yeah, Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Not much you can say about Spurs, man. Like, I, I don't know if the fans are mad. They had their best start ever at the start of the season. They're in the top four race, which is common, bro. Like those two seasons, Pochad yeah, has gassed them, bro. Like. You know, I heard the club like accept what you are from. It was an what posture was an absolute anomaly. But I feel like moving forward with Spurs, which is what I feel like we'll speak about this more in a later episode. But moving forward, 
Daniel Levy actually needs to set out a realistic pathway for Spurs moving forward because I feel like the way they move in the market and the managers that they get are literally different. And you mentioned it at the start of Conte's reign, and I'm seeing it now. You're getting managers who are win-now managers. Jose Mourinho is a win-now manager. Antonio Conte is a win-now manager. Look at their history. In at least, maybe not the first season all the time, but in at least two seasons, these coaches win trophies. They win trophies and they do well. If you get those managers, you need to back them to like to the hill in the transfer market. Conte wanted um, Bastoni in the summer. Yes, I'm not saying Bast- look, I'm not saying Bastoni would have absolutely changed Spurs, but if a coach like Conte won Bastoni, you get him Bastoni. Yeah, and if Bastoni didn't want to come, he didn't care that Conte was there. He, he just didn't, didn't mess with Spurs for him. No, he didn't mess with Spurs, but Inter were also asking for a ridiculous price that Spurs were not going to. Bro, if, I think if, it was if 60 more? it was 60 mil. If, if Spurs went to Inter with 65, 70 mil, whether Bastoni didn't want to go or not, Bastoni is going to Spurs. But <laughs> with the way they act in the market, they need a more of a Graham Potter type manager, a deserving manager, a manager that can actually coach, make players better and build them up. And that's yeah. why I feel like Spurs need yeah, to do moving forward. Move forward yeah, if they're renewing guys like Eric Dyer, Ben Davies. And that's, yeah. that's, that's another thing. That's another issue. That's why I said in a later episode, we'll, we'll dissect Spurs because that's one issue. But mediocre players are still on the books. Dyer should not be there. David should not be there. David Sanchez should not be there. But look, it's it's looking like they might make top four back to back season. So I'll I'll be the one eating humble pie, which is annoying, but that's crazy. And the players yeah, have themselves. Liverpool still have a say in it because you guys still have to throw Spurs at home. So it's, it's still in our hands. It's still yeah. in our hands because if either you, you beat Spurs to make top four year or you beat Spurs and Newcastle we gain control, it's crazy, man. We we it's in our hands to finish above Spurs. It's not in our hands to finish above Newcastle because we win our game in hand and we beat Spurs with three points clear of Spurs with a better goal difference. So it is in our hand to be on top of, uh, finish on top of Spurs. Newcastle on the on, on the other hand, we need to hope that they go on the run that they had just before this win against Wolves. But look, let's see, let's see what happens. But uh, guys, it's been another episode of Views from the Box. Thank you for tuning in. Take care. <laughs>